Welcome to the Inside Muskegon podcast with your host, Jason Pisecki. And now, here's Inside Muskegon. Welcome to Inside Muskegon. This is episode number 115. I'm Jason Pisecki. The Inside Muskegon podcast is a weekly show featuring interviews with community leaders and comments from everyday people from Muskegon, Michigan. The goal of the podcast is to engage Muskegonites in a dialogue about the issues that affect our everyday lives. This week's show features an interview with Pete Hookstra, a commentary on the interview, and information on contacting Inside Muskegon. Our interview this week is with Congressman Pete Hookstra with the U.S. House of Representatives. I'm here with Congressman Pete Hookstra with the U.S. House of Representatives. Thank you for taking the time out with Inside Muskegon today. Hey, it's good to be with you. Yeah, we're happy to have you here. Let's start out talking a little bit about your background and the district you cover, Michigan 2nd District. That's right. I, uh, I represent a district that starts just south of Saugatuck. It goes all the way up to uh, Frankfurt, Michigan. So it's about 200 miles of what I call God's country. I mean, the, some of the most beautiful beaches, uh, shoreline uh, in the country. It goes all the way to uh, the middle of the lake. Uh, you know, that deadly, uh, dangerous border with Wisconsin. Uh, and then it goes about 40 to 60 miles inland, depending on exactly where you are in the district. But it's about 660,000 people. And uh, that's the configuration of the district really pretty much for the last 20 years. It changed a little bit uh, in 2002 with the, the latest census, but uh, it didn't change much at all. And so, uh, you know, it's a great district. Uh, I've represented it now for, you know, 15 and a half years. I got elected for the first time in 1992 and uh, have been uh, in Washington 1993 until now. Well, the economy is something that's uh, first and foremost in a lot of people's minds, and in particular here in Muskegon. What is being done at the federal level to help the Michigan economy? Well, I think the first thing you got to recognize is that you know we we do have some we do have a, some trouble spots in the economy right now with the foreclosures and those types of things but nationally the economy is still relatively strong especially on the employment situation you know nationally unemployment uh, is still at 5% uh, Michigan is at 7.1%. So the the economic pain that Michigan has been feeling really for the last three, four years where we have been 40 to 50% higher in unemployment uh, than the rest of the country uh, means that you know the, the federal government, yeah, we've been doing the things necessary to keep the economy moving forward uh, and keeping it strong, but there hasn't been a, a you know, a, a narrow focus until, you know, three, four months ago when we passed the economic stimulus uh, package that, you know, many of uh, your listeners now are going to have an opportunity to get start getting their rebate checks back of three, six hundred, three to $600 or the $1,200 for the, per family. Uh, the other thing is the, um, you know, when when I talk to my colleagues in Washington and say and explain that to them the situation in Michigan, I don't get much of a sympathetic ear. Uh, hey, there's, there's, they feel sorry for Michigan, and but I don't hear them saying, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give some extra highway money to Michigan. We're going to give some extra job training money to Michigan because Michigan's in tough straits. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, it looks like a lot of this is, is your own doing. You guys had the highest unemployment rate in the country. And you raise taxes? Uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, you're doing this, and you think that's going to attract business? And so, you know, 
in Washington, hey, me, Carl Levin, Debbie Stabenow, you know, as a Michigan delegation, we're trying to get everything we can for Michigan, cleaning up the Great Lakes, which is a great asset, uh, investment in, in manufacturing. You know, we still are the strongest manufacturing state in the country uh, and those kinds of things. We're working on those things together. Uh, but at this point in time, we're not getting a disproportionate amount of money coming into Michigan when you compare it to the other states. What do you see Muskegon's role being in the global economy and how we can stand out here locally in the area? Well, I think uh, Muskegon, as, as much of Michigan, has a tremendous and a rich heritage. Uh, lots of skilled workers, uh, tool and die guys, uh, manufacturing base, uh, and those types of things. There's no reason why uh, that industry can't be uh, can't be resurrected, uh, you know, resuscitated. the The skills are still here. Uh, the knowledge uh, and the background is still here. The equipment and the machinery, it's probably going to be used to make other things. Uh, but, you know, we're working with some, uh, you know, we're working with Imad Mahawili over at, at Merrick uh, on some new technologies. He's working with some local companies that have, you know, the capability to bend steel, to do uh, injection molding, uh, die casting, and those kinds of things. Uh, and it's all in the area of energy. I think that as we develop new energy sources in America, there, there's going to uh, be a need for uh, the kinds of skills that we used to use in the automotive or the defense area. There's going to be opportunities in the environment, in the in the energy area, and we just need to make sure that uh, Muskegon and West Michigan uh, are positioned. They've got the skills with resources like Grand Valley, uh, the research they do there, even research at Michigan State and the University of Michigan. Uh, you know, we've got a pretty good combination. The innovation, the research that comes out of the universities, hopefully will be translated into real products that can be made by people here in West Michigan. Well, Muskegon has a rich history in blue-collar jobs, and in West Michigan, people say we're very good at making things, which ties into your point there. What do we do to attract these new green-collar jobs to the area? And what is uh, your role in legislating policies that will attract these these jobs in alternative energy and renewable fuels? Well, the, the thing that we do in Washington is we set the framework for a new green energy development by putting in place uh, incentives for people to invest in these new products and these new market niches uh, so that you know, investment goes into there. Innovation goes into those areas. The challenge then becomes as these innovations reach a point where they can uh, move into the marketplace uh, and to be manufactured, that Muskegon, West Michigan, and this state are properly positioned to take advantage of that. I mean, what we've seen over the last number of years is we're still building 11 million vehicles in the United States per year. I mean, you go back to 1995, it's not like that we're building a lot fewer vehicles in the United States. We're still building them here in the United States. The problem is Michigan got out of sync. Uh, those Many of those cars now are being built in places outside of Michigan, places that we would have never thought of as being automotive uh, manufacturing centers. Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Texas, uh, Georgia, all of those uh, states now uh, are in the automobile manufacturing business because automobile manufacturers saw Michigan as being a bad place to do business. And even though going into some of these other states created some uh, some turmoil for them because they went into states that didn't have the tradition, the skills, and the background of manufacturing, they thought going into those states uh, was a better 
investment for them than going and doing business in Michigan where that whole infrastructure was in place. It really t- shows you how far out of whack Michigan, wa- Michigan was. What are we going to do to get things back in line in Michigan and attract these types of manufacturers? Or, or are those jobs gone forever? Well, the jobs in automo- uh, an automotive manufacturer, uh, you know, they're gone. I mean, I don't see Toyota pulling up uh, you know, uh, its roots out of the states where it's now building cars and bringing it back to Michigan. What we now need to do, and these are the decisions that get made in Lansing, we need to create a business-friendly environment. We need to create an environment that clearly signals to manufacturers and business that, that Michigan is open for business. We're open for business in a constructive way to sit down and, and to work with you uh, and to show you why Michigan is a great place to do business, that Michigan wants to grow. I think some people view Michigan as a no-growth state that we don't want to change. Well, we're seeing what happens when Michigan becomes a no-growth state. You know, If you're not growing, you're dying. And, you know, we see it in our schools. We see it in lots of different places. Uh, and then I think, you know, you've got you to do some of the fundamentals. Uh, you've got to have the right tax policy in place. Uh, the one thing that has not eroded yet that is in place uh, is our higher education. Uh, you know, we've got uh, an infrastructure of higher education that means that if someone decides to come into Michigan, they can work with our schools and our universities, our community colleges, to make sure that they have uh, that they get the educated workers that they need in their business. And so uh, the most important thing now for us is time uh, and that we don't have that much time, you know, because as we're in this kind of downward spiral, uh, somewhere along the line, it's, it is going to affect our educational infrastructure. It's going to, it's, uh, you know, our colleges and universities. It's going to impact our ability on other infrastructure, roads, bridges, uh, electricity, and all of these kinds of things. And, you know, when those things are in place, businesses will come. If those things aren't in place, they're going to think they're really going to think twice. Well, we talked a little bit about automobiles and the automotive industry in Michigan, and we're looking at four dollar a gallon gas prices here now. What can be done at the uh, at the federal level and at Congress to combat those prices, or is it something that we have to accept and get used to? Well, I think uh, you're going to have to get used to higher energy prices. Whether you're going to have to get used to $4 a gallon gas, I don't know. But, you know, I'm, I don't think we're going to get back to a buck fifty. Uh, I think there's number number one, what you need out of Washington is you need leadership. Uh, we need to set some clear objectives. I think the clearest objective that we can establish that says in 20 years we're going to be energy independent. That doesn't mean we don't import inter- any energy from overseas, but it says instead of importing 60% of our energy, we're maybe down to 15 to 20%, and we want to get on a path to go down that direction. Then I think what we need to do is we need to open up the country to more exploration, American exploration uh, for American oil. Right now we have proven reserves of 21 billion barrels of oil. But those reserves are current technology, current prices in those areas where the federal government will actually allow you to explore and extract uh, oil and gas from. Uh, If you work with that little feature called federal regulations, uh, it's estimated that our proven reserves can go into the hundreds of billions uh, of barrels of oil uh, and cubic feet of gas if we allow more American exploration. Instead, you know, and if we get, let's say we achieve over the next five years, uh, get that 60% down to 50%, you know, that's $80 billion 
that stays in the United States where we're buying American energy that's not going to Venezuela, Nigeria, or the Middle East. I think that's that'd be a big move forward. The other thing that I think we need to do is we need to have exploration uh, of new ideas. It's not about just exploring where there's more oil. We've got to unleash the American potential for a, uh, an initiative uh, for innovation. Uh, like I said, this is what's going on at Merrick, uh, alternative sources of energy. Uh, you know, new ways to produce electricity. There's, there's some exciting things going there. We have to take a look at uh, biomass, uh, ethanol, and those types of things. Uh, and then you look at conservation, uh, and you do a little bit in each of these areas. And it's amazing uh, how quick you can have a major impact. And, but there's no, from my perspective, there's no single bullet. Uh, there, is, uh, there are a lot of little things that we can do uh, that can move us towards that goal. I really think that energy independence within 20 years is an achievable goal. All right, a little bit uh, closer to home, there's been, been a little bit of talk out there about some uh, different political aspirations for you. Any, any ideas ever on maybe running for governor of Michigan. Well, sure. There's, uh, there's, you always go back and reevaluate. Right, right now what I'm focused on, uh, I'm focused on, I've got an election in November. I'm focused on doing anything and everything uh, that I can, uh, you know, for West Michigan between now and then uh, to, uh, you know, present a very, hopefully again, a very credible case to the people of West Michigan about what I've done and what we've done together uh, to make this a better place uh, to live. And so that's what I'm focused on right now. Hey, after every election cycle, you always do sit down and you take a look at, okay, you know, where, where do we see ourselves going? Uh, you know, we, I'm talking about Diane and I, my wife and I talking about what does the future hold? Um, but, you know, you always take it one step at a time. Right now, the, uh, the step is uh, making it through the election in November. Uh, after November, we'll take a look at uh, other opportunities uh, or whatever opportunities there may be, opportunities in Washington, opportunities in Congress, uh, or perhaps opportunities at the state level. I, uh, I can tell you I, I'm, I'm very disappointed uh, in Michigan's performance. Uh, Michigan is a much better state uh, than what we are demonstrating right now. There's no reason why, you know, for a period of five or six years that this state uh, has to be at, uh, you know, 40 to 50 percent higher unemployment, why we are one of uh, maybe only two states last year that actually lost population. Uh, we've got 20 percent of the world's fresh water that touches this state uh, in the Great Lakes. Uh, it is a great place to live. Two of the 100 best universities in the world uh, are located in this state, uh, and we are uh, you know we are dragging behind the rest of the country uh, in terms of uh, you know places to live. Uh, we can do a whole lot better than this. All right. Well, let's move on to our final question. We'll, we'll stick with the economy here okay. a little. Uh, usually, word this in the in the form of a pitch. So, you have one minute alone with the business considering locating in West Michigan and in Muskegon. Make your pitch to get them here. Well, it, it's very very clear. You know, when you come to Muskegon, the first thing you're going to get is you're going to get a quality workforce. Uh, the second thing that you're going to get is you're going to get a quality community. This is a this is an area where you've got great schools, uh, where the community comes together and works together to build a a great place for 
the workers that your business is going that your business is going to employ. You're also going to have a great uh, a great environment. Uh, you know, you're nestled on the shores of Lake Michigan. Uh, you've got access to some of the greatest golf courses. You've got access to some of the greatest skiing uh, here in the Midwest. Uh, so, from an environmental standpoint, this is just a quality place uh, to be. And then you're going to work with local leaders. You're going to work with the state of Michigan, uh, and we're going to make sure that this is the best place for you to establish. Uh, your business, not only for the short term, but for the long term. We're going to make sure that when you come to Michigan, you are going to be successful, or we're going to provide you with every opportunity uh, to be successful. We can't make your success, but we're not going to stand in the way of it. Well, thank you very much, Congressman Hookstra. I really enjoyed it and appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. Hey, it's great being here. Thank you. I want to thank Pete for being a guest on Inside Muskegon. I appreciate Pete's insight into the issues we discussed and frankness with answering my questions. America is in the midst of uncertain economic times, $4 gas prices, and an election season where our politicians are bombarding us with their messages. It is our duty as American citizens to make sure our message is heard. If you have an issue you would like Pete or any of our other elected officials on the local, state, or national level to hear, please take the time to contact them. Each of us only get one vote, so let's make sure we make it count. For more information on Pete Hookstra, visit hookstra.house.gov. To contact Pete's office in Muskegon, call 231-722-8386. I'm going to move on now to some listener feedback, and for the latest feedback in Inside Muskegon, visit our website at insidemuskegon.com. You can post your own comments to the site, view the comments of others, and even comment on their comments. That brings us to the conclusion of episode number 115 of Inside Muskegon. For more information, visit our website at InsideMuskegon.com. Inside Muskegon is produced by Jeremy Sear. For Inside Muskegon, I'm Jason Pisecki. Feedback is welcome at Jason at InsideMuskegon.com. This has been the Inside Muskegon podcast. Comments are welcome through our website or by emailing jason at insidemuskegon.com.